Welcome to Turning the Table, the most progressive weekly podcast for today's food and beverage industry, featuring staff-centric operating solutions for restaurants in the hashtag new hospitality culture. Join Jim Taylor of Benchmark 60 and Adam Lamb as they turn the tables on the prevailing operating assumptions of running a restaurant in favor of innovative solutions to our industry's most persistent challenges. Thanks for joining us. And now, on to the show. Well, welcome everybody to the very first episode of Turning the Table. Today's episode is called Retention is the New Cool. And currently we are waiting for my guest host or co-host, Jim Taylor. He's actually in a car racing back through the traffic in British Columbia. Him and his wife had a baby checkup this morning, so we're hoping that everything is perfect. And we'll bring him on in a second as soon as he joins this stream. So we decided to try this hashtag lunchbox live stream as a service to the industry that they all love the hospitality industry and intended it to be something that would be short sweet quick punch in your mouth give you some stuff to go home or go back to the shop with and work at some staff centric solutions for some of the operational challenges that the industry is facing today or as my friend chris hall from the burn chef proc project likes to call it this profession. He refuses to call it an industry anymore because the industry connotates this kind of huge monolith that sits on our shoulders and squashes us down. And I completely agree that we are all able to chart our path through this wonderful career field. If only we are focused on the values that matter to us and look for an organization whose values match that. So why we decided to do this was because we love the industry. You know, Jim's been posting a series of really engaging posts on LinkedIn around this discovery he made a couple of years ago, like, oh, geez, now I'm a consultant? Like, after 20, 25 years in the industry and building up this huge amount of experience and and now all of a sudden, because of COVID and some other circumstances, he's kind of outside looking in. And he makes a relevant point is that none of us actually start out to be a consultant. So speaking for myself, I was 35 years in the industry as an executive chef, corporate chef, got in the business when I was 15 years old as a dishwasher. I went to work at the restaurant that my father liked to go to, the neighborhood Big Wheel Restaurant in Hammond, Indiana. All right. <laughs> so I just I was talking to everybody about why we decided to do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, we decided that it'd just be good to have some good, healthy discussion about what's going on in the industry, right? I mean, right. labor shortages, retention, inflation, you know, all these different things. The game's just changed a little bit, right? So it'd be good to have some discussions and see what kind of problems we can solve. Yeah, we were getting into some spirited... Hold on, I was just letting everybody know that we're just reconnecting. There we go. We're live on LinkedIn. You know, I guess the why for us is that we both come from an industry that we both still love. You know, Absolutely. I was talking about the posts that you were doing about, you know, like who the hell ever plans on becoming a consultant? Like, oh, geez, that's what I really want to do. <laughs> and my reply to you is like, you know, that's almost like asking for, that's like asking to be like, like ridden hard and put up wet by the folks who are still in the industry, like who all of a sudden, because we're not, you know, on the line with them or running the floor with them, all of a sudden we become like superfluous. Like we don't necessarily have a, a big volume of knowledge and experience with which to be able to 
assist. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like being a glutton for punishment has been my experience, <laughs> but you've had a little bit of different experience, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and to your comment about the, the becoming a consultant by accident, it's funny because I'm sure a lot of people who are in, in operations in restaurants, front of house or back of house, in a lot of ways can relate to the experience. I got into restaurant management by accident too. Did you really? Well, it's kind of that surprise you're the manager type thing, right? I mean, <laughs> I, you, know, you, you don't do anything stupid. You have good relationships with people. You give good service and someone just says, hey, do you mind locking up tonight? And all of a sudden you're the manager. Right. 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 It happened the same way. Or the sous chef or the, the executive chef happens to bail out on a, on a weekend saying, Hey, I got another job. Say, thanks very much. And all of a yeah. sudden they're looking at me going, okay, do you know how to close? And I'm like, okay. I'll figure it out, man. I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, in terms of my experience in over the last few years, trying to support the industry is we've been really lucky that, you know, we, because we take such a specific approach and, you know, I've talked lots about this, you know, kind of holistic data-driven decision-making process. I mean, it, it's really, I think we're actually making some really good strides in helping the industry understand how to navigate all this craziness that's going on. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, I've been famous for saying, you know, I think COVID was a blessing for the industry because it showed so many opportunities you know, we can, we can look at things and say, oh, well, they're screwed up. They're fucked up. You know, there's just things that are absolutely wrong and nothing's ever going to change. But for me, it's like, where's the gap? Mm -hmm. Because if I can, if I can identify it as a gap, then I can close that gap. I have some ability to be able to do that, whether that means figuring it out myself, which is always takes much longer. Granted, I get to carry that ability with me moving forward, but mm -hmm. I've gotten, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, I did a post yesterday where I said, you know, maybe I'm just getting older, but you know, order is a hell of a lot more sexier than chaos. Whereas I know for a fact that at a point in my career, chaos was definitely where it was at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but as I've gotten a little bit older or what I'd say is more mature, I appreciate being able to be with other people who I can gain knowledge from in the personal development space. They say very often that, you know, you're the, you're the result of the, of the five people who you are most closely aligned with, because yeah. it's just almost impossible not to, not to glean stuff from them and want to be like them. I think that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about our collaboration is that not only did you reconnect me with something that I played around with not really knowing what what I was doing much earlier in my career but you brought about a wisdom and a way of actually bridging the gap in communication to potential clients that for me was kind of an eye opener because I think I've spent most of my life you know shaking a lot of trees and you know hitting people over the head with wisdom and you know we know how far that goes but your 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 way of being with Clients is something that's very admirable to me. You know, you ask a lot of questions. In a lot of ways, it's you're the perfect coach, right? Oh, wow. Because you ask a lot of questions and you don't necessarily throw your wisdom around or what you think they should be doing. What you're actually assisting them to do is to solve their own problems, like to, to become their own guru once they understand what it is that you're teaching. Well, you, we, you and I, we as a group, but you and I, <laughs> I mean, we, we've joked about this a few times, right? The consulting by opinion trap yeah. that people get stuck in. Yeah. You know, and, and we, I mean, partly people on our team, but also, you know, I meet people all the time that are trying to help the industry. They're trying to do things that are beneficial 
that are going to move the needle. They're going to help the industry recover and find this whole new normal thing. Right. But mm. there, there's so much of this. I have tons of experience, 10, 20, 30 years of experience, really knowledgeable, very smart, but the approach sometimes or the, what the trap that they, I find they get stuck in. And I got stuck in this at the beginning of my consulting career. You know, we try to use that term loosely because our industry hates it. They just go, here's what I've done in the past. So here's what you should do. And, you know, a, a lot of operators, I think, don't, they don't take well to that because this is my baby. This is my business. This is what I'm, my dream. This is what I'm trying to build and don't tell me how to do it. So, you know, we've been really lucky. I think that just that approach around helping operators understand the information that's right in front of them and what it can help them mm -hmm. do with their business is, you know, that's why it's more about asking those questions and, and really just helping guide them to, to the answer. So I, I think Chris, who we spent a lot of time with, was joking with me the other day about how he, one of the things that he, he, I guess, gets a kick out of when I've said it is that I don't even know the color of the walls of most of the restaurants that we work with. Right. Because, you know, we've never even stepped foot in them and we don't need to because it's all about information. It doesn't mean that we have to go there and run the place for them. So we decided to call this first episode, retention is the new cool. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a phrase that's been, that you didn't necessarily come up with, but was attached to you like, no, this is the way to do it from now on. And I know that a lot of operators struggle with, I think retention is one of the things that they least think about. They're most actively thinking about how to attract new talent, right? Because mm -hmm. they think that who they have right now is comfortable and, and, and that they don't necessarily need to worry about them. And why do you think that retention is actually kind of the gateway to not only creating a culture that's, that everybody wants to work in, but also becomes a point of attraction to, you know, people who are looking for a great job? Well, I, to be honest, I don't remember the exact stat off the top of my head, but I've worked with lots of restaurants that turn over their entire staff every year, pre-COVID. <laughs> Right. 50, 50% turnover, 75% turnover, you know, 80% turnover. That's those numbers aren't unheard of. You know, even the company that I worked with when I was still in operations had very good culture, had really good retention. I was there for 20 mm -hmm. years, right? They had a very good retention strategies, but we still turned over the hourly staff at like a 60% clip every year. So to me, it's, you know, if a restaurant needs to hire 10 people, you know, it's hard to find 10 people that want to come to work right now, right? That want to work yeah. in our industry, that it's hard to find people that want to work in restaurants. But it's that number might be less than 10 if they didn't lose two or three people every month. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I think that the industry is changing in the way that people are looking at how to, how to take care of their people, how to protect their people, how to, how to make the experience better. You know, and there's a couple examples that I, I use a lot. One of them is a company that added cleaning and laundry service. You know, you and I have talked about this one quite a, mm -hmm. quite a few times. They added cleaning and laundry service at your house for every employee in the whole company, whether you're the first day dishwasher or you're the mm -hmm. vice president of operations. I was talking to your friend Jensen Cummings the other day. Well, I'd uh, say he's our friend now, but. Well, hopefully he's our <laughs> friend now, but he introduced me to Jensen and, and he the example he gave me was a, a group that added pet insurance for every employee because they ran into a scenario where an employee didn't have insurance. They got sick. They didn't have pet insurance. Their dog got sick and they, they could, they had to only, they had to pick one to spend their money on. And so they took their dog to the vet and, and because of that, they missed two weeks of work. Yeah. So that hurt them, that hurt the business. And so that company has now decided to add pet insurance for every employee. I mean, that's a game changer, right? 
I couldn't agree more speaking from my own personal experience. You know, my daughter had a cat who she was incredibly attached to and the cat ran out in a thunderstorm and got injured and it cost her $7,000 to get this cat put back together. And she was in a relationship at the time and they were headed right for the, right for the, you know, marriage. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And so she actually not only picked her own health over that, that cat, but also her happiness, because in the end, you know, he's like, well, if you're going to put that much importance on a cat and not on me. So it was kind of like a weird exchange. And in the end it worked out for the best, but I think the sneaky thing is there's a hell of a lot more people who are having to make these critical decisions than we give them credit or we give ourselves credit for, for actually understanding. And I know Jensen's been doing a great post around, you know, just asking the question, Hey, what benefits does your employer provide? And yeah. he's created this huge document and some of the, I was just taking a look at it right before we got on because there are some that are absolutely critical to the operation. And then there are some that are just kind of nice to have. Mm -hmm. And the question is, I think a lot of people during this, this constriction of the labor pool started throwing dollars around and saying, Oh, well, it's, it's gotta be the wage. It's gotta be the wage. So let's, let's pay more, let's pay more, let's pay more. And still forgot about, you know, mental health and, and physical health, well-being programs mm -hmm. and things of that sort. And we had a conversation earlier this week when I mentioned to you, like the people in the United States do not understand what a load, an emotional load it is to have to worry about healthcare. In this con in the United States, and I happen to be married to a Canadian and spent time in Canada, and you're from that wonderful country where you don't ever yeah. sweat that because you know you're just going to go to the emergency. It's all going to be taken care of. And I yeah. say to Americans, like, like at some point, our industry has to stand for that and actually advocate for that, as opposed to some organizations or or lobbyists constantly being in Congress saying, you know, we got to keep the wage low, we got to keep the benefits low, or else it's going to be an industry killer. As far yeah. as I know. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, a lot of these countries have vibrant restaurant scenes mm -hmm. and nobody seems to be hurting. Well, it's so the, one of the interesting things about about that whole conversation and it, I actually got called a, lo a wage lobbyist at one point because I was I was having lots of discussions with people about you can pay more and still, you know, run a very very successful business and happy mm -hmm. to help people who are who you know might not believe that. But you know, without getting fully into the conversation about wages, mm. and what they should or shouldn't be, you right. know, I think the the fun part of some of the work that we get to do with restaurant groups is is helping them understand the both short and long term benefits of just taking better care of their people, right. whether that's a wage, whether that's a benefit, whether that's pet insurance, whether that's you know whatever that might be, right? And it's sometimes it's amazing that our industry is notorious for just kind of always doing things the same, right? It's just the, one of our sort of taglines that we talk about a lot is, you know, try to get rid of the, this is the end of, we've always done it this way. Right. right? And, and I think like you just said, there's a lot of that that comes up. It's like, well, this person wants to, is going to quit and go work down the street. Well, let's just pay them a dollar more an hour. Right. And that just doesn't work anymore. Right. And you know, that example around adding cleaning and laundry service for every employee it was $30 a week per employee. That's less than a dollar an hour for a full-time person to have someone show up at their house and clean their house and do their laundry for them so that that would positively impact their work-life balance and improve probably their experience at work. They're in a mm -hmm. clean shirt every day instead of, you know, the dirty one. But yeah, it's retention is the new cool, as, as, 
it's kind of taken on a bit of a life of its own for us, but it's really, you know, about, we just got to find ways to just improve the overall employee experience top to bottom in, in this industry. Right. I, through the entire life cycle, I know that there are some organizations or, or some associates who say on, onboarding, what do you mean? I, I didn't have any onboarding. Like, no, like they pointed where the bathroom was and then gave me an apron and said, go to work. Mm-hmm. And that, the lack of inclusion in what, you know, that, that organization is all about. I mean, it took me a while to get to it, but, you know, a healthy half day up around, you know, this is day two orientation and this is what we expect. And these are our values and ta, 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 really goes a long way. So it doesn't oh, yeah. always have to be, I mean, there's a cost to everything, but it's not as, it's not as simple as throwing a wage around. And I tell you why I happen to live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is one of the best, especially this year, one of the best restaurant towns in the nation. There's four James Beard award winners. One of the restaurants was named restaurant in the country and cooks and dishwashers and servers consistently jump ship for 25 cents. It's like, that's how competitive Mm -hmm. because the living wage to live and work in Asheville is somewhere around, and I'm, don't quote me on this because you can actually go to T, MIT Living Wage Calculator, which is a real eye opener and pick your city, your county, your town, and actually look at what your living wage actually calculates out to be. But, you know, it was somewhere around $27 an hour as a living wage to live and work in Asheville. That's why people jump for 25 cents because they're, they can't afford to live here. So they're constantly forced out into the suburbs, which yeah. adds stress. You know, they've done construction on every road leading into Asheville for the last year and a half. And it's going to continue for another year because now all of a sudden there are bedroom communities to Asheville, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it just seems to me that, like you said, there's, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to, I firmly believe it. And I think that's why we're here. And one of the other reasons why we're actually doing this hashtag lunchbox live stream is something that I got from Jensen when I was interviewing him for a podcast, when he said every hospitality company, every consultant, every restaurant, every hotel has to be both a hospitality company and a media company. Because if you don't own the narrative, someone else is going to own the narrative for you. Mm -hmm. And so we are here to dispel this entire myth about consultants, coaches, whatever the hell you want to call it. What you need to know is we're actually here to serve you. Whether or not you choose to, that's completely up to you. We honor that. But one of Jim's core approaches, which I've taken on, which is to me, it seems so counterintuitive. is like, I'm not going to tell you how to run your business. You know your business better than I. I'm just showing you what the data reveals so that you can understand almost immediately once you see the interpretation of the data, what there is to do. Yeah. There's been some really cool examples of that. Please. The, the, the one, well, the two that jumped to my mind always are, you know, one group actually based in Kentucky, big restaurant (laughs) group. And we were, still in the process of, of, they weren't even a customer or a client at this time. We weren't even officially working with them, Mm. but we were showing them an example of what some of this data that we look at and, you know, some of our core measurements around how to measure productivity in a restaurant environment and how to measure employee workload. Mm -hmm. You know, we were showing them what that looks like strictly from a, a generic perspective. And one of the examples we were talking about was what spend does to profitability and how often the management team actually has no control over 
what that you know impact might be. And anyway, the the COO of the company, he actually asked me to hold on a second. He muted himself, and I'd see him grab his phone, and he he makes a phone call, and he comes back off mute, and I said. What did you just what did you just do? And he said, Oh, I just phoned our marketing team and told them to cancel wing night because it's affecting <laughs> our customer spend. And it was I, we were like, no, 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 hold it. You know, we're not even there yet. We're not at that point. Right. But you know, really quickly things kind of can jump off the page. But did so, you I mean, do you actually do you actually mean customer spend or customer behavior? Yeah. Well, I say spend right now because <laughs> I haven't introduced people to that terminology. We call it customer behavior because it's how do you right. Right. Um, so there's been a couple of those examples, but you know, there was a, a group in Canada here, a fairly large restaurant group that they realized they were going to save a million dollars a year. And they, they came to that conclusion in the first 10 minutes of our first meeting with them. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, really exciting. I mean, talk about building trust quickly with a, with someone you're working with. Right? Sure. I mean, to, to understand that that opportunity exists is one thing. And then there's like, you know, the nose of the grindstone, actually like what it looks like to, proactively manage that every day. So, mm-hmm. you know, kudos to those operators who are actually like, not only do they get it, but they're actually willing to put in the work to actually realize that savings. And then, For sure. you know, I, I, I think you've been kind of amazed at just how many operators actually see an opportunity like that and realize, no, this is, I don't want to just, you know, pay that out as dividends. I want to actually reinvest that back into my organization. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the fun part of the, of a lot of the the opportunity that we get with operators and owners of restaurants is that the ones that we end up working with are the ones that want to do new cool stuff. They want to mm-hmm. change the way that this, you know, it's not just pay a dollar more. You know, they want to pay for someone's car payment. They want to put them, someone through school. They want to pay somebody's mortgage payment. They want to pay for cleaning and laundry or pet insurance. You know, there's they're really looking at ways to, you know, reinvent how how hospitality people are are looked after. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that there's, and this is, you know, kind of a, a, a lofty goal, but you know, you, you think back to a few years ago when, you know, the whole Silicon Valley, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, it was like, you get to wear a hoodie to work and there's no dress code and come and go as you please. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the, the hospitality industry is the next industry that needs to embrace that type of stuff. You know, whatever that really, looks like. whatever it looks like. And there, you know, we don't have the answer to that yet, but you know, really going after it in a unique way. Jim, I'm and how was the appointment this morning? Everything's good. It's great. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that's about as much time as we have for today. We'll be back next Thursday at 1 PM Eastern time. And we have a few guests lined up and I'm really excited about the next one, but she hasn't agreed to it yet. So we won't put that out there. But in the meantime, if you want to learn more, please reach out at benchmark60.com. My name is Adam Lamb. Thanks for joining and, us. And you want to you want to introduce yourself, Jim? Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining. We'll see you next week. You bet. Thanks. We'll see you. Bye bye. Oh wait a second. I got to do the outro music. See, pretty good, right? It's great. <laughs> yeah, those are going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of Turning the Table with me, Adam Lamb, and Jim Taylor. This episode was sponsored by Benchmark 60. We're on a mission to change the food and beverage industry by focusing on staff mental health and well-being, by forecasting and actively managing workload productivity. Over 200 restaurants and food and beverage operations have discovered for themselves how to increase staff retention and become a preferred employer in their market by using our proprietary system. If you'd like to have an operational culture that everybody wants to work for, 
then check out Benchmark 60 on the web at www.benchmark60.com. Thanks for taking the time to be with us and the courage to try new things for the restaurant profession's oldest problems. Turning the Table is a production of Realignment Media. Music